those jams go michelle go michelle yeah, you're michelle i am michelle and you are sam i am sam you're my husband i'm a husband precisely yours i don't own you this is goddamn right you don't i don't and i like <laughs> that you are still your own person regardless of me hi so yeah we are a couple of critics welcome welcome to the podcast if you didn't pick up once again i am sam i am michelle yay 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 and together we uh we love entertainment and we don't necessarily always love the same entertainment so the idea behind what we do is we share each week a piece of media with the other one we indulge and then we talk about it so uh it's like an exercise in marriage and just life right. and relationships. I think so. I it, mean... It forces us to look at what makes the other person them, what they like. Yeah, so like, I feel like there's two types of people, right? Or two types of couples. There's the one that, like, they basically listen to everything the same, like, with each other, you know? Like, when I see, like, metalhead couples, yeah, I pretty much think they basically just listen to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or there's couples like you and I. Who, who we sometimes have, do. We have similar tastes. Mm-hmm. We have, if there was a Venn diagram, there's definitely a lot of overlap. A lot I would of say. overlap in there, but there is definitely a lot that's in our own circle for sure. And, and I think that's it's like what that makes with everyone. Yeah, that's what makes this podcast special. And uh, I no. think it's it's definitely fun, interesting, eye opening, and uh, mind opening for sure to make yourself listen to something and analyze it. Either that you have loved and look at it from a different perspective, or something that you've never delved into, whether you enjoy it or not. Um, Have you, of any of my stuff, have you thought, oh yeah, that was definitely like a personality maker? Um, I feel that with like the whole... God, I hate to say this because this sounds... This is going to sound uneducated, but... I think that like things with a punk attitude serve your uh, makeup. Like you just kind of have a fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) This makes me happy. This is who I am sort of attitude. And it's not necessarily like fuck you, but it's, I mean, you're not afraid to put it in people's faces. Like this is who I am. So I I think that when I hear stuff like that, when I get those vibes, that feels more representative of who you are, and it's messy, and you're a fucking slob. <laughs> I was I was thinking that the other day that I haven't really none of the music we've listened to so far of yours for me has pinpointed has anything. Pinpointed you on anything? Like it only hasn't developed you. I haven't heard anything that's. If anything, Fiona was the closest. I'd say that kind of maybe and, fits, and uh, some. Uh, Alanis. Really? Yeah, just... Just because I'm a depressed bitch. So I wasn't even going with that angle, but uh, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, I don't think that I can pinpoint a specific artist. Yeah. It's more just a genre. A general attitude of <laughs> balls out, fuck it. Because there's... <laughs> when, when we do things that are more... Which we've only done one heavy metal album but things that are more you mean like death metal metal yes yeah um 
I don't connect to it as much. So I think even with you, it's hard for me to connect it to you because to me, there's less substance. There's uh. way more substance in the punk attitude than just, I don't even know what I would say for metal. Yeah. I definitely just, have just intensity ex- extremity uh-huh. with everything. For me, punk is definitely the mindset. It's definitely the attitude that I have. Yeah. But I'm a, I love technicality and I love like doing hands-on things. So when metal gets more technical and faster mm-hmm. and like intricate, that's what appeals to me more. But I definitely have way more of a, nah, I'm just going to do this anyway. Fuck you. This is who I am. Yeah, sorry. I know you don't like it. That's but, uh, very much who you are. It's how it's going to be. I don't know what to tell you. You can either not care, just like I don't care, or you can be upset. <laughs> He's basically explaining our marriage. I'm way more uh, conscious conscious of of what I need to do to make you not crazy. Like, if I'm out on the road, it's bad. Like, I'll just go into places I'm probably not supposed to, and my whole mindset is, well, I'm either not going to get asked to leave, or I'm just going to get asked to leave. And what does that fucking matter? I'll just leave then. (laughs) And nine times out of ten... Nobody asks you to leave. I'm usually a much more of a follow the rules type of person. I was. Because I'm just chicken shit of getting in trouble. I've never been in real trouble. Uh, legal trouble sucks. I, I don't want to ever have to deal with it. Good. So I lay fucking low. You can go to Canada. <laughs> I can't. I, I, I can duh. You Canada. Oh my God. That I was, Canada. That was really bad. <laughs> All right. You so, want to get going with this podcast? I think it's time to... Uh, yeah, let's um, let's open the box into oh. what what is ahead of us. Okay, so normally we do music, right? That's usually the way That's to go. That's normally the way, but this week... Music's fun. I chose a movie because I'm fucking obsessed with this movie. Super into it. I'm... It's, You're wearing this shirt right now? I am. I did that on purpose. You put it on... When did you actually put it on? Because you... Was it yesterday Today. or the day before? Today. Oh, I thought you've been wearing it for the last couple days because <laughs> no. you weren't sure when we were going to actually record. But I will wear it for three days at a time. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, but I did make sure to, we've watched it twice. For those who don't know, we watched the original Hellraiser, 1987 Hellraiser. Yes. Uh, when we watched it the first time, we've watched it twice because that's our new rule, right? Is that we need at least to watch a movie twice. I think so. I, I don't think once is enough. I don't think you so. You pick either. up different things on a second watch. Of everything. It's just like when we listen to music. The first time is like the... It's like jumping into the pool. It's It's the groundbreaker. That's when you first break the ground, and then you start to pick the pieces on the second listen, and then you start analyzing everything on the third. For sure. That's kind of how it feels to me. So when we first watched this, I wore the Hellraiser shirt, and now I am wearing (laughs) the Hellraiser shirt currently. It is the Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth shirt, though, but... What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> so, uh, like I said, I'm absolutely obsessed with this movie, and I saw this as a chance to make you talk about Hellraiser with me. <laughs> That's basically all it was. <laughs> well, and I hadn't seen this prior to this. I had seen pieces. You've definitely shown me um, a big part in this that you love. Jesus wept. But I've never seen this in its entirety, and now I've seen it twice. So let's talk about... Hellraiser! <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll talk the technical stuff first. It came out in 1987. Clive Barker's first di- its directorial debut, I guess is what you call it. 
uh, filmed in Britain, or I don't know exactly yeah, it where. Yeah, said it was actually a British movie, which I thought was interesting. You can feel it, right? Especially when half of the people have like a sort of a British accent. No, because really? I think of America's the melting pot, so you can get anything around here. I think even the house looks British. Sorry, I'm really cranky and creaky today. That chair you sit in is very creaky. I've also moved my microphone a few times and accidentally hit it, and I'm making a lot of sound. I apologize. I did not notice. But I uh, I think it does feel British, just the way the house looks and the way it's filmed. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. This was uh, based off The Hellbound Heart, which was a novel written by Clive, which I've listened to maybe ten times. You can find it on YouTube real easy. Oh, so you've not actually read it. You've no, I've never, to it. I've never seen it in person, but if I see it, I'm gonna buy it. Okay. Uh, even though I'm trying not heart. to buy anything anymore, I'm tired of having stuff. I understand. But I do want that book. Uh, I've listened to it like ten times. You can find it on YouTube. Clive reads it himself. This is before the cigars. He smokes cigars. I don't know if he still does, but earlier Clive is like, "Hello, I'm Clive Bucker," and then ba 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 ba, and then later he's like. You know, I'm Clive Bucker. And has this, like, graggle. And he doesn't really read his own books anymore. But you can find it on YouTube quite easily. It's a three-part thing. It's fucking awesome. It helps you understand this story way easier. Wow, the first picture that comes up um, for Clive Barker, he looks... He has almost like a... Um, God, what's his fucking name? Ted Bundy look to him. You think so? <laughs> look at that first picture that comes up on Google. Yeah, in that one, yeah, I but see But that's it. the only one. That's early Clive, and then right next to it is later Clive. Yeah, but there's a difference. But he just kind of looks like a regular dude, but he, he was an English he is, writer, film director, and visual artist. He he has written a lot of horror novels. Uh, he's had a bunch of movies made. Uh, Lord of Illusions was a Clive Barker movie. Okay. Uh, Midnight Meat Train was a Clive Barker thing, which the book is okay. way better than the movie. Okay. The book is way better than the movie. Uh, I actually went on a fucking spree and just listen to a bunch of clive stories audiobook wise because i don't know if you know these people you can listen more than just podcasts you can find books audiobooks on youtube and they're good stories and it's just like listening to a podcast they're only like an hour and a half and all of a sudden you know a new story and it's really cool i would actually be interested in getting into audiobooks that are read by because i i'm usually interested in things that entertain me um, I'm not going to listen to like history stuff. I'm not going to read history books for fun. Yeah. I mean, technically everything, every story that's told is a piece of history. Um, it's just stuff that I'm more interested in, I guess. And it's usually some sort of media or something that entertains me already. Um, so fuck, I'm, I just lost what You're I was talking saying. about audiobooks. So yeah, if it's like, if it's like a comedian's autobiography and they're reading the auto I mean, they're they're reading the book. Uh-huh. I would love to listen to something like that, and you I should. think that there's a lot of good stuff out there, or just stuff that is, uh, you know, like someone who's friends with a writer who read the book for them, and it's just put together nicely, and it sounds nice. It is, and it's like the picture is kind of painted for you. It's really cool because like, and I have a short attention span. I so. I was gonna say like for I can read, but I know a lot of people who like. There's people who literally can't read anymore. And I'm not saying can't see the words and understand what they say. Yeah. I'm saying like as soon as they read a page, they can't hold their eyes open anymore. It's just like it doesn't engage. There's no engagement there. So if you're like that and you're already listening to music or you already listen to podcasts, 
books are fucking awesome. Audiobooks are awesome, especially when you get somebody who reads them well and cares about it, which uh, back to the Hellbound Heart. Clive reads it. It's his material. It's before he made the movie, I'm pretty sure. So it's like he feels it and like knows what he's supposed to make it sound like. Hellbound heart. Yeah, and he makes uh, Pinhead sound. He sounds like this instead of what he ends up sounding like. You opened the box. We came. Just very nonchalant. You opened the box. We came. All right. So you want to talk about this movie? Yeah. Actually, the plot now, since we got the technical bold jargon shit out of the way. We do. And I actually have um, a little... I don't know if you want me to read it or anything because you don't have it. notes. No, but this I just, just kind love of explains <laughs> what happens. So it's the story is based around sexual deviant Frank. Frank Cotton. He inadvertently opens a portal to hell when he tinkers with a box bought while abroad. <laughs> Are you reading this straight off of Wikipedia? I think this is probably from Wikipedia, but it's just on Google. It says the act releases unleashes gruesome beings called Cenobites. Who tear Frank's body apart. This is a horrible explanation of this movie. Well, I would say that this is a pretty... I mean, this paints the picture of the very beginning. Because when we're entered into the movie, we see an exchange of money. Yeah, Frank has got the box. He's, for a box. He's the box. He which has, I think is like in Tibet. I don't know if they ride it up there, but... It feels... It's, yeah. It's definitely in it a foreign country. Feel. And he has the dirtiest fucking fingernails <laughs> when he is sliding money across he the does. table. Seriously. It's like they shoved grime under there on purpose. It was it was thick, it was black, it was nasty. And he had long fingernails anyway, which are kind of gross to me. Yeah. And no then the, what. the next scene is him in a dark room. He's Yeah, he's back home now. So, so he he's, took in, it home. he's in America. He's at the he's family a, household. In a dark room. He doesn't have lights on. Candles. Um <laughs> I guess I don't remember that part. He lines candles like in a square around him. And it shows him opening the box and his fingernails are clean. This is something I've been wanting to talk about. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So do you think that to travel back, he had to clean up? Had to or just did? Had to to like fly back. Because he was definitely someplace where he had, I mean, he was far away. There was distance. I think we're to assume that Frank has been in... A foreign land where showers and cleaning is not readily available to him, and he's indulging in like uh, sadomasochist, like grimy, like self-destructive dirtiness. Behavior. Yeah. So he's just like he's probably he's probably on drugs. He's probably drunk. Probably hasn't showered in weeks. And it looks like the fucking whores. The guy who is um, selling him the box. It looks like there are two glasses of absinthe, and it looks like he drops a sugar yeah, cube in yeah, one. There's definitely something going on there. So it's <clears throat> definitely intoxicants and th- mind-altering yeah. things, and yeah. things that you know stick underneath your fingernails, apparently. <laughs> but I think then he just got home, and he was like, "Oh, look at these fingernails! <laughs> these are fucking gross." So the box it looks like one of those little God, I don't even know what you would call a it. Rubik's this, like, cube mind trick? No, almost like the ones where it, it's. It's like almost like a maze to open. Like you have to do all these things to open it or to dismantle the box. Oh, like those kind of like Chinese. We had ri- one of those, yeah. Or like the metal ring kind of things where you got to do it a certain way and it to unclamps to itself. undo it. Yeah. yeah. So it basically, is it because it, it seemed like it wasn't necessarily super. Like it wasn't really hard, but like it wasn't super easy. What to get the box open? Yeah. 
because it, it seems like it's easy, but then like there are times when like later on when the female character is handling it. Kirsty? Yeah. She seems to have a little more of a struggle with it. Yeah, and but we also don't know how long Frank has been doing that. Mm-hmm. It's true. So it could have been weeks that he's been fucking with this thing. And I think the book, even though I've listened to it ten times, I think he has been messing with it for a while. Because he's like sweaty and he looks disheveled and like yeah. exhausted. He's been going at it. And he's in that attic with no fucking heat going. And in the book, he has to like... He, but he's sweaty. He sets... Uh, he, he's supposed to... Whoever sold him the box tells him to adorn the room with offerings to the the visitors that will bring him the pleasures that he seeks, you know, because it's all about, in his mind, he thinks he's getting a box to seek the ultimate pleasures. He doesn't know he's about to get fucking torn limb to limb. He doesn't understand. Yeah. His puny human brain can't comprehend that pain and pleasure are one and the same, and the Cenobites can make them in an invisible line. See, and I, like, uh, we discussed this a little bit because we did watch it last night, and for me, it felt like, which I know that there's a clip that I think you you might play, maybe not, it might be in the trailer, which we need to get to that soon. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, fuck, we should have done that earlier. That's fine. Um, but I don't know how much of it is also... Um, pleasure? How, like, it's, to me, it seems like there's no actual human pleasure, because we never actually see it. And you said that in the actual literature of this. In the novel. Um, <laughs> literature. <laughs> yes. In the historical it's text. Like like, it is. It's like I've gone through the scrolls. It's, um, yeah, it's written like, it's, it, 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 there is actual pleasure that is just kind of fucked up that they can't show us in the movie. There, there but, are. But, it, but to me, my interpretation was that it was the Cenobite's pleasure to inflict pain. Yeah, which is that does exist. That is part of it. And they don't do a good job of explaining that part of it in the movie because it's kind of hard to get a even still an R rating and add sexual like deviant stuff to it. Once you add like almost borderline rape, yeah, and sex kind of stuff. That's too far. It, <laughs> it is too far. I think it's too far. And it'd be hard to, it's hard to explain it, which is why they just kind of like hint to it. Like, like later Frank gives a description about, you know, the pleasures of the pain and the pleasure, which is indivisible, blah, 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 blah. Injustice for all. Yeah. But in the, in the book that, you know, they can, they can describe what a thoughts are going on in something's head where in a movie you can't do that. And, and when he says the line later that we're demons to some angels to others, that's to insinuate that. Yes, your feeble little mind might interpret this as pain, but this is actually we're actually giving you the ultimate lows to then so you can feel ultimate highs. Now I don't know if Pinhead's sitting around jerking people off. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand because it seems like he just I mean, and we'll get to it, but what it's I mean, the next note that I have is when he does open the box, chains appear, rip out of your the box, yeah. And then like go into your skin and rip you to pieces. So like that's first of all, it seems like that's the thanks that you get for <laughs> releasing him and allowing him to drag you to hell yeah. is that he just rips you to pieces. But it doesn't seem like there's ever time for pleasure. So it seems like to me, the pleasure is theirs, is all theirs. Yeah. So you think that you're going to get something pleasurable, I guess. Yeah. I don't Maybe know. Maybe the way it's sold, because you don't see I the actual know. selling process. You just see like 
the transaction, uh-huh. essentially. Yeah. And then sometimes, like, I know also in the book, like, you, you're you assuming, too, once he's ripped apart, like, he's done, right? Yes. In the book, they'll, like, piece people back. I don't remember if this is in the first book, but, like, you find out that, like, they'll piece creatures back together. Like, in the book, Frank, God damn it, how do I explain this? When he gets resurrected, this is way in the future, she, like, sees a vision of Frank in his sort of cell okay. in hell. And he's like a mass that was, it's just like a creature that was kind of formed of what was left of him. So okay. he's still alive. So it's like an eternal torture. Yeah, all pain. Yeah, pretty much. But, all pain. But so painful, it's pleasure. There's, that's an impl- I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't understand that line at all. I think we should. Um, Let's do the trailer. Yeah. Okay. Let me find it on my phone. Yeah, that part's hard to it. explain. Yeah, it's just really weird because it just seems like there's no gratitude whatsoever for unleashing them from hell to take their soul. There is no gratitude because his only job is to inflict the pain and the pleasure. You mean the pain for their pleasure. Uh, And who's in control of the Cenobites? Because the Cenobites are just workers. Oh, uh, you find that out in the second film, Leviathan. Okay, well, we don't know that yet, so we won't talk about that. I won't get too much into that. But I do want to say this before I go in. Think about this. The chains and stuff, and like the hooks grabbing onto flesh. Yes, people do do that now for pleasure. They do do. So like, it wasn't too far off. I know getting ripped apart isn't going to be that pleasure, but there yeah. are people who hang themselves from ten hooks. Ugh. So yeah, it's you, disgusting. That's how you to ride me. that line. All right, this is the trailer for 1987's Hellraiser. <laughs> this is a New World Pictures who fell apart very quickly. I have seen the future of horror. Oh, yeah. His name is Clive Barker. I love classic horror movie trailers. Ooh, that was from Stephen King. Yeah, I like the na- the voice. Yes. I can't replicate it at all. I will not try. The classic movie voice guy? Ah. Hi there. Hellraiser. Beyond any terror you have imagined. <laughs> A nightmare. No. Unlike anything you have witnessed, is born. Because Jason these walls, the unholy is unleashed. Classic. Uh, I was just, just thinking, you know, people complain about trailers nowadays, like giving away too much. Okay, yeah. That was from 1987. I thought it gave away just as much there as every other trailer nowadays does. Now that I know the movie and I just watched it. Yeah. I mean, it didn't give me like crazy plot points, but it showed me a lot of Cenobite action. Cenobites. And there's only so much Cenobite action in this movie. Well, I wonder what like a TV commercial type preview trailer would have been like like a 30 second it, it would, probably wouldn't probably wouldn't have given as much away it would have been like do you be afraid of hell do you be afraid <laughs> <laughs> do you be afraid of hell all right so i want to give let's do this 
We're having such a hard time getting into the actual movie. I'm. I don't think so. I think we. Frank has opened the box and he's been ripped to fucking shreds. So it's the lament configuration. Now, did they ever say that in the movie? I did. You ever pick that up? I don't think it's I did. called the lament configuration. It's a beautiful box. I would love to have one. Uh, there's a guy online that he sells them, <laughs> and I'm gonna hit that guy up when I'm finally buying shit for this movie. But yeah, Frank is in the house, so you assume he's dead. Yeah, in the movie, no one knows where he's at. They think that he's still just gone away. Yeah. So then next we get to meet. We get to meet his brother, Larry Cotton, and his, and his wife, wife Julia. Julia. They move into Frank's old house, which is interesting. It's not Frank's old house. It's uh, Frank and Larry's parents' old house, which oh. is why that religious shit was there. Uh, see, I, I originally thought that it was the parents, but what I was reading said it's Frank's old house what? for some reason. So, I'm pretty but I do remember her walking in because when when they walked in, Julia. Uh, the wife is super not against it. Speaking about that religious stuff, like there was a huge Mary statue. Oh yeah, she does not like in it. the window. No, I think in the book she even says something like, "We got to get this drab religious stuff out of here." Like it's drab. Yeah, like get the fuck out of here. By the way, Julia is eighties all the way in this movie. Oh, it's awful. Her hair is horrible. Her clothes are horrible. She's played by Claire Higgins. Uh, she's been around for a while. She's, I mean, because you said she was supposed to be like a beautiful woman, but she, it was very 80s. It's it's so 80s that. I don't know if it's perspective or that she really just wasn't. I hate to say it. I, I hate to be like, well, she was unattractive. But like, for me, that era of women and that look was so off-putting and attractive i didn't like the style at all like, i don't of I, the weird hair being put uh-huh. up and short yeah yep. and the weird dramatic like like shoulder pad shit eye color yep. as well uh-huh. like and then the sunglasses that she's wearing at points that are like stevie wonders stevie sunglasses <laughs> yeah stevie nicks um shoulder pads oh, and stevie wonder sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> And then Larry, he's just a fucking goofball. He's just a goof. He's just a good goof guy. And um, he, you're supposed to take it that he is a good guy, right? Generally a good guy. He never like. No, I don't think he's a bad person. He's just he's just kind of a schlub. He's just like an everyman. He doesn't make great jokes. He ha- he tries to have a sense of humor, but he's not funny. Like he's just kind of like annoying. Yeah, he sort of is annoying, isn't he? I mean, th- I feel like that's what they're at least trying to portray to understand <clears throat> it from her perspective. Per, her perspective, yeah, because um, the wife Julia is a big character. Yeah, she's a huge character. She's like, v- she's a huge character in the plot, and she's like hugely acted at points. Mm-hmm. Like when it's dramatic points, and she's like. <laughs> so they move into the house, and I've got a big fucking problem with the fact that the house is garbage. Aside from removing some things. <laughs> They didn't. They they could have thrown a fresh fucking coat of paint up on the walls. Do not disgusting. <laughs> like everything is nasty it looking. Even, still, it doesn't even look like they wipe off counters or like the stairs. It doesn't look like they even get some furniture polish out and take care of that banister. No, and so she is drawn to Frank's old room, and she doesn't know why. The room that he died in. The, the room, room that, that the Cenobites fucked in. him up in. Which nothing is left in there because you know no. it's a different realm when you get Cenobited. But when you go Cenob Bot, Cinnabit. When you get Cinnabit. Cinnabit. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like fun, something that you would buy at like an that. airport or a mall. A Cinnabit? A Cinnabit. <coughs> hey, honey, I'm going to go get a Cinnabit. Do you want one? 
Yeah, give me the big fat one. <laughs> With the extra icing. <laughs> so I've never had Cinnabon before. So You've never had a Cinnabon? I don't, Cinnabon? I don't think so. Uh, I don't believe that I have. I have twice, and it's one of those things where I've been on the road, and I go into a gas station, and it's like a little kiosk in the middle of the gas station where yeah. they only work in the that little area. Mm-hmm. And twice I've given in because it smells it smells really good. It smells like a cinnamon roll. Yeah. And I've given in, and I get like halfway through, and I just want to die. Is it gross or just too sweet? It's just too much of everything. It's too sweet. It's too much icing. It's like... You know when certain candies or certain uh, like uh, sundaes or desserts just go too fucking far? Oh yeah, like those whole, those milkshakes that they always um, advertise in videos on social media, where it's like they build all of the stuff up on top of a milkshake, and I mean it's they'll put like a piece of cake uh-huh. and like all of the stuff and yeah, too much. I would never. It's a waste of money. That's like a twenty dollar milkshake. Who needs that? How do you eat a brownie in a goddamn milkshake? Doesn't that fuck everything up? Don't you just eat the brownie first? I thought the milkshake was the whole thing of like <laughs> drinking something that would normally be more of a solid. Yeah. Hey, put the brownie on the side so, so I can eat the brownie I don't, and drink the milkshake. I don't really get it. So anyway, as I was saying, so this room in particular where Frank was destroyed, the room is even more destroyed than it's the rest of the house. Extra gross. It looks nasty. Shit's newspapered up. Windows are newspapered up, which I assume Frank did so he could be in there doing the box thing and nobody could see him. And there's like... Uh, rat infestation. coming off the walls. Yeah, rats. Huge. And... There's, they show like six rats at a time. Mm-hmm. It's fucking gross. No light is coming in. It's just got that like amber look because it's trying to get through the newspapered at windows or the drapes or whatever the hell they are. It's just gross. The whole, yeah, so the house is nasty, and I had a oh. big problem with them moving in. And his without bed is in there it. too, right? His bed is in there with no. all like. The, is that a different room? There's no bed. That's mentioned later. What? No bed? No, she takes the. They take the bed out when they first get there, and they find Frank's stuff, and she finds the picture. Oh, there's just a mattress on the it's floor. Just a mattress on the floor, and like a. And there are bugs and roaches. And, and you stuff. look in the background, like above his head, where you had been sleeping. There's like a. Uh, piece of cloth with a like symbols drawn on it almost like religious symbols hmm. which adds a little extra you know like he's already understanding the external world of you know yeah i don't know what the word is paranormal kind of stuff and then he's like half eaten paranormal jesus <laughs> i assume there's dog food there that he was eating i don't think there is but i just think that there probably yeah cuz he ate it it's not in there anymore <laughs> okay and she finds that picture she finds a whole like box of pictures of him fucking whores and of stuff. Of him with yeah, with prostitutes and mm-hmm. naked ladies. And she's and she's super into it. She's super into Frank mm-hmm. because they had an affair. And this is when you start doing the flashbacks, right? Yeah, we get flashbacks that her and Frank. She she, she force fucked her, basically. Wouldn't you agree? It, it wasn't uh, rape. But I don't it was think like it a, was force fucked. I think that that's what she wanted. I think that she also had she the was desire. marrying a dullard. <laughs> yes. Which is Frank's brother. Yes. So on her wedding day, you said? Yeah, and she hasn't met Frank. I, th- I think it's her wedding day. Yeah, she hadn't. She hasn't met brother Frank yet. But she meets him and he, he comes just... in in the rain and he's all like wet. You gonna let me in? And he's just, <laughs> yeah, like he talks to her like he knows what he wants. And I think he, 
I mean, he kind of like he goes up to her and like puts his fucking finger in her mouth, oh, which is God. disgusting. That which happens a, a lot in the movie. Uh, yeah, it's a thing that happens for in the next movie too. Ugh. Into Hellraiser two, it happens. But I think that she was completely into it. I don't think he forced himself on her. I think she wanted that. She wanted the force, which is why I think that she uh, immediately fell in love with him. He didn't give a fuck about her. No, not at all. He just fucked her and yeah. knew that he could. Like I said in the book, he says... He's like, nice to meet you. I'm gonna he only, fuck you. He only fucks her once. Mm-hmm. But in the book, he says, I could have I could have fucked her once and left like I did and nobody knows anything. Mm-hmm. Or I could have taken her with me, got sick of her in a week, and then I had a brother who's mad at me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or coming after me for the rest of my life. So to him, it was just a... He just, he just likes the dominance. Mm-hmm. He just likes to have the power. And, and he, he shows that through the rest of the film. And we he also shows his dick and balls. After they oh, yeah. are done fucking, we see... We get a flashback dick, dick and balls and scene. balls. First, he's just sitting on the bed with his legs up. So you're like, oh, I think that's a little bit of balls, like, you know, hanging out between his legs. Uh-huh. And then he jumps up and you see some flapping. I, I stared both times. Me like, too. How much am I going to see? I want to see. Not? I want to see. I've always been like that. If there's I, nudity, absolutely. how I'm do you stare not at look? Everything. everything. Even if it's disgusting <laughs> uh-huh. nudity, you're going to. I look. Oh, you got to. I'll you, never you look. You got to. It's but it's natural. It's a human body. I think so. it's natural for everybody. In fact, I think if you're like, oh shit, a penis, and you're like, oh, I don't want to look, then it would be like, then you're uh, like, come on, man, what's your problem? Why are you so like, afraid you have of a dick? penises? You, you look at your dick all the time. So yeah, we you do get to see you get a sliver of a titty during the sex scene, but then after you get some dick and, dick and balls. So uh, if you were afraid that there was not nudity, there's some nudity, and it's fair to everyone because you also get the girl's ass, but you get what the guy really has to show. You do, and I'm gonna say this as a guy who has red hair, and I have red pubes, so they're bright. It's so weird for me to see a guy with black pubes. And try to find a dick and balls in that thing. <laughs> and that's weird to me because you're, I mean, I've never seen orange pubes on a person before you. Pow, pow. That's me. I just did a Blue's Clues impression. That, they're bringing that back. Did you know that? Oh, you know what? I think I saw some meme where it was uh, what you look like when you're grown men angry about a child's cart or a child's cartoon show. And it was a bunch of grown men wearing diapers like, Looking like they were crying, which I totally agree. It's fucking blues clues, man. Makes sense. Calm the back the fuck up. So (laughs) when we, I mean, so this movie it came out in '87, so it's an '80s movie, and I don't think that that necessarily has anything to do with it. But I just get a feel, I guess, coming from a certain time that there, I just consider a lot of things in the '80s to not be very good, and um, I just think things are like cheesy. Um, so I think that there are times where there's a little bit of cheese in it. I don't think it's too cheesy, but I do think that the acting is bad. All around from everyone? For the most <sighs> part, um, the main characters. I I think that the, um, I think Frank is awful. <laughs> and his voice is dubbed over, so it's extra yeah, awful. Yeah, there are actually two actors who play Frank. And then his brother is terrible. Larry? Yeah. I think Larry's the best actor in the whole thing. But And that's the thing, because when I say that, I don't know if it's like that's part of him acting like a doofus. I think he's just supposed to be a fucking doofus. And maybe that's what it is. And But yeah, I don't know. There are, just, there are times around this, I don't know if it's like in the flashbacks and stuff, and I don't know if it's just I don't like when the main actress, Julia, 
um, character when she's like smiling and stuff when it's flashbacking with her and Frank. Like it just seems weird. So it's, it just seems like it's bad. It's very theater ish. It's very, it seems very big at times. Mm-hmm. Julia does. Her reactions to everything are very theater. Like when she sees something that like scares her, it's like, <gasps> and when like, so, you know, like you brought mm-hmm. up the smile, it's like this huge, like, kind of turn of the head and then like this big smile reveal and it's like that would work on stage way better because you need to be bigger on stage because everybody needs to see it but on camera it was a little too much but i think larry's the best and frank is awful frank is awful (laughs) julia's i think julia's a good actress technically but it's just over the top i think the girl is fine uh, Kirsty. Kirsty. Who we eventually meet. Frank, Which Kirsty uh, is uh, the daughter. It's Larry's daughter. Of Larry. Not Julia's daughter. She is not interested in moving in the house, but she is coming to visit. And uh, you can tell that her and Julia do not get along. No. Which, I mean, I think that happens a lot in, in film and TV and stuff that you usually don't get along with your step parent. Yeah, that's very true. So that's definitely what they exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, and, so, yeah, I think they kind of make it that Julia has a disdain for generally almost everybody. Yeah, she just doesn't Frank. seem like she really likes anything. She's, she's clearly unhappy with her husband. She's over life. Yeah, she's just yeah, she's so, just kind of shitty about everything. And now she's like, oh, I got this Larry guy's daughter that and, I got to fucking deal with. But she's drawn to this room, and um, Larry and the mover guys. Who take way too fucking long to do anything? <laughs> Those movers suck. They're awful. He <laughs> gives he gives two men a six pack of beers who have just been standing holding a mattress at the bottom of the stairs and haven't fucking done anything. Here's your reward, fellas, for not getting a fucking thing done. And then Let's they get wasted. Yeah, and then he's the one who goes to the top and does most of the work by pulling the mattress while two guys are at the bottom pushing. It's a fucking mattress. And they're creeps, it's too. It's one mattress. They're both creeps, too. And they hit on the daughter. Yeah. Don't they hit on uh, Julia at one point, too, I earlier? I think they that. hit on Julia. And then when Kirsty shows up before the incident with the mattress happens, that guy's like, ooh, my lucky day. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> and, like, kind of, like, pushes himself onto her. This is a time where they guys literally the mattress. put themselves physically on women. They're like, hi there, shove pelvis onto you. But we're, we're all equal. Oh, no, we're not. I'm way stronger than you. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So they are um, still trying to get this mattress. The mattress ends up being more than it should have been, but it, I, it turns out that the mattress is pretty integral because when they are, when they get the mattress up the stairs, there is a big loose nail that no one has seen until this point. <laughs> it's sticking out like two fucking inches. It doesn't make any sense. Anyone would have noticed it under any circumstances. But, of course, they don't now, and Larry cuts his hand. <laughs> I That part... Uh, it looked mo- good. Movie gore does not usually get me, especially when it's like disembowelments and stuff like that, and it's just way into fantasy by that point mm-hmm. for me. But a nail into his hand, it gets me every time. I'm like, ugh. Well, and I have something... I, I got something to say about <laughs> this. Um, Is it about Buffalo Wild Wings? It's about the effects. I think that practical effects often looks so much fucking better. And especially at this time when like the digital editing that they had, like the process was 
way different than it is now. It was, oh, yeah. It was much harder. You were drawing on film, as you said. Oh, you mean literally in this film later, like with the, as you call them. They're spermies. The little spermies. Are, and there are definitely all kinds of the, lights. The electricity that comes off of the box. Mm-hmm. And like when she sends them back to hell with the box and it's like a yellow outline on them and stuff. Yeah. So not that. Yeah. That's literally them drawing but on film. some of the effects, like the cutting of the hand and stuff, it looks good. Some yeah. of the effects look really good and some of the effects look really cheesy. Yeah. There's a think f- big difference between them. Yeah. I think the, like the a lot practical of the, is what looks good. Yeah. I think a lot of times I'd even prefer shitty looking practical over decent looking CGI. Yeah. CGI is just not my thing. It never has been. And it's getting a lot better now. And, and it is, but there's still something that I just can't fully get into the movie, which is why I think I can't get into like the superhero movies and big blockbuster movies because so much of it is fake. Yeah. And I just can't really connect with it as much. You, you can connect with, an actual physical prop that you know is on set, even though that's also fake. Yes. You can connect more with that than something that is literally two cartoons fighting. And where you know a human was just looking at a tennis ball on a stick. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really awesome technology. They're getting really fucking good at it. And they are definitely getting better. I'm not going to say anything about it. It's just I personally... Don't connect. I'm much more connected to something practical. Um, I think the best thing to do is both when you can marriage practical effects with cgi like cleanups and stuff then it's amazing i think i just made the connection cgi effects to me are like auto-tune cgi is good if it's a little bit to like clean something up or fix something but if it's just relying on that that's what it is that's what i don't (laughs) like that's a good analogy i've never heard that put like that i've never thought of it but i think that's what it is bing a light bulb. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. So we... What the fuck were we just talking about in the movie? Frank's hand is cut. Oh, yeah. Is the last no. thing I said. Larry's hand is cut. I'm sorry, Larry. Frank is just an easier name to remember. Frank is just... Frank's it, a good name. You assume Frank is dead at this point. Frank Even is dead. Frank is just... Frank is technically Frank dead. Frank is in hell, te- technically. As he's, far as... Yeah, he's dead to the world. He's dead to the world. He's in hell. He, um, but soon is resurrected by the blood of Larry, which seeps into the floor. Yeah. Which it's weird the way that it happens, which I know that this is where we get into less practical effects. <laughs> I think with the blood and how it like seeps into the floor, <laughs> it feels like it's being, it doesn't look natural. It looks like it's being summoned, like magnetized, like yeah. Like it has to go there. Like it doesn't naturally just kind of like drip. Like it would have been more interesting to me if from like the ceiling into that room, you saw just like blood drip onto the floor versus like watching it weirdly seep into the floor. If that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Am I painting that picture? Yeah, but I don't know why a ceiling has to be involved. It's all coming out of Larry's hand since he runs into the room that Frank died in for Julia to look at it. He just runs into that room. Is it that room? I yeah. thought it went through the floor. No, no. He cuts his hand on the stair, the two-inch nail that's there for no reason. He cuts his hand on that. And Julia's in the room that Frank died in, just yearning for Frank at that time. Yeah, and, and then Larry, everywhere. And then Larry runs to that room to be like, oh, help me, because Larry can't handle the side of his own blood. But it still just looks like it's being like seeped into the floor. It is, but that's because the effect that they... The way they did it was they f- 
ejected it out of the floor and then played it backwards. So then it's just, it's a reverse of yeah. making blood seep out. Ah, it's the best they could do at the time. That makes sense. It's hard to make a seep into the floor and you get it. You, know, yeah. you got to make... You got to make the audience understand what's going on at that point. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, for some reason, I was thinking in my head that, that happened like immediately. But yeah, he does run, and then she takes something off and off and like wraps. Yeah, his hand. He's supposed to go to the hospital. In the book, I think he goes to the hospital. It's clearly it's a bad fucking cut on yep. his hand. Oh yeah, and it's like swollen and nasty when <laughs> yeah. she's uh, and wrapping then, it. And then this is where we get Frank. The resurrection of Frank, because his brother's Frank. blood spills on the blood spot where Frank died. So we uh, we have a little bit of Frank come back. <laughs> yeah, that scene is uh, fun to watch, but it's also ridiculous. Like where the arms shoot out of the floor, and yeah. they look like spider arms. But there, when it does the little things and shows like the little the slower stuff. And it looks more practical. It doesn't look bad. No, like when his fingers are coming out and they're like, it's like wiggling. I think that part actually looks, doesn't look uh, bad. No, it looks great. And then uh, I just think the arms when they shoot out. Yeah. And then they hit the ground. That's funny. And they look like it's about to be a spider. And then it lifts up and it's like rib cages there. Mm -hmm. And then it's got that little spine, two little spine like connector rods that are coming out and they're like wiggling around and it's making those like baby noises. They put like a baby crying noises in there <laughs> and then it rams into the skull <laughs> and it like, and then it's like, it just has like goo dripping off uh, of it. So this is Frank, but Frank is not complete. No. He needs blood. He needs to be rebuilt. Julia loves him. He knows that Julia will do what he wants. So he convinces Julia, even though she is terrified and doesn't want to do it, that to get him back, she needs to provide blood for him. Yeah. I love that scene, too, because everybody's they're having that party and everybody's downstairs and uh, Larry's like entertaining, you know, being a fucking goofy ass weirdo. He's a goofball. And then she just excuses herself solely to go to that room. I'm drawn. <laughs> and then, while everyone's downstairs, she's talking to a guy who's just recently been reanimated from a cor- as a corpse. Reanimate your corpse. You imagine sitting around the way Frank looks with like no skin and like no veins yet. And he's just Goop. like a mass and everything you touch would stick to you. Yeah, you were talking about like dust and stuff. Oh, you'd feel every like piece of wind that come by. Well, not necessarily. Oh, he doesn't have nerves yet. He doesn't have nerves. That's true. Because it takes a while before he can even taste a yeah, cigarette. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I don't think that he can feel it. I don't think he, it matters to him. So she goes to a bar, brings a man home, and uh, that's... The killing begins. The killing begins. Because she kills him first, and then Frank sucks the blood and life force out of the man. <laughs> yeah. In the book, it's really cool because they, she describes, or he describes like... How Julie's like really nervous about the first time and like bringing a guy home. Yeah. And how you're going to fuck everything up potentially. It's a brutal story. And uh, it's pretty interesting. And she's really grossed out by the whole thing. She does not want to continue, but one person is clearly not enough. Yeah, it's funny when he first sucks the first guy and he's like, when he first sucks the first guy. Yeah, yeah. Jams the fucking fingers in the necks and just like. I love that scene because Frank comes out from behind a pillar 
and he's just like he still hasn't sucked anybody's life force out of him <laughs> and he's just like a floppy seal looking kind of thing like his legs don't quite work and he's just like flopping himself across the floor like as fast as he can to get to this meal he was kissed by a rose right before the, right before the door closes and julia's just on the other side like oh. horrified and has the blood on her face yeah. from like it first happening it's really good. But she uh, decides, you know, like, I'm going to do this for Frank. I want him back. She's still... I she, hate my life. I hate my husband. Uh-huh. He's a blowhard. She has such a yearning for him. And she doesn't... Yeah. It, and so I don't weird. know that it ta- has existed this whole time. I don't think it's been the driving force because she didn't even want to move into the house. She did until... She didn't until she saw that Frank had been there. And then I think she goes, oh, if he had been here, he might return. Yeah. So then she was just like, why not? So like, yeah, she had like no interest in anything until like... No. Until that, that one house. little spark of Frank. Yeah. So to her, Frank is life. Yes. Even though Frank was dead. And... <laughs> and Frank brings death. And does not give a shit about her. He just is like, bring me people and we can be together. Yeah, he's a real good manipulator because... He, yeah, she th- yeah, she believes she She cares. believes every word. Um, and even as a corpse like looking thing, he's got ugh, her disgusting. He's got her just hanging on the end of a string. She'll do anything. <laughs> but you know, she'll even go back to the bar and get more men. I, I do think it's interesting that she is um not using people close to her. It is just random men that she's picking up at a bar. Well, yeah, and it's pretty cool because or not not cool, but she, you can tell that she still does have a little something for Larry. Like she does, because later when she uh, doesn't want anything to happen, when Larry's to him. hears the sound upstairs because Frank is going crazy because he can't do anything yet and he's making too much noise, and she instead like lures him to have sex instead so that he won't go upstairs. I think that was to protect Frank, though. It was. I don't think it was to protect Larry. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it was to protect the whole facade. But then when they're having sex. And then they don't actually and then, have sex. They're just oh, when they're getting around. ready to have sex, and then Frank is in the closet, and he comes, he comes out, out with a knife, and he's got the knife, and she thinks he's gonna kill Frank or kill Larry, and she's like, "No, no!" So that that sells. Yeah. There's still something left, and then that next day when he leaves, and she's got to go out and get another, uh, different guy, and he's like, "Just let me do it," and she's like, "No, you can't." So like, there's still something. She doesn't want Larry to die, which is interesting because later, obviously, what happens, something does switch. But there was a little something left. Yeah. She could have said, fuck it. She's also trying to save herself. I mean, if they find Larry's dead, then cops are coming after her. The other people are fucking randos. Yeah, that's true. But it takes no time. I mean, by the second person that she brings home, she's like a pro. And she's got that smile. That's when she does the smile. Mm-hmm. When she can hear Frank like consuming him, and she's smoking a cigarette and just gets that smile on her face. Ugh, it's disgusting. And she ends up like liking blood on her face like four times in this movie. But it's interesting <laughs> because when she brings, um, it was either the second or third person. I think it was maybe the second. Um, Larry's daughter, who becomes a much bigger part of the story, she comes to visit and she sees. It's the third guy. It's the third guy. So she sees from afar uh, this guy being brought home with her dad's wife. And she's suspicious, but she goes there. You want to take a break then off of that one? Do you want to? She goes there. Yeah, we're already at 50 minutes. 
Yeah, so... Uh, we'll take a break before she walks into the house. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, a good time. We finally be talking about Hellraiser. <laughs> Speaking of Hellraiser, you want to go out on some Motorhead Hellraiser? I don't make choices, but I I'm do. here for the party. Just like Gretchen Wilson. For the party! for the party! Right, let's take ourselves a little break, baby. Listen <laughs> to Levy's beautiful voice. From deep within the vaults of the Couple of Critics podcast, we bring you a cover of Rob Bass by Michelle, featuring Herschel J. Pinhead. Come on! Joy! Pump, pump, pump it up! And pain! Come on, come on, here we go! Sunshine! What else, what else? And rain! Oh yeah, here we go! Joy! Come on, come on, here we go! And pain! Pump, 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 pump it up! Sunshine! Yeah! And rain! Give it to a Rob Bass! Well, I'm a new kid! Coming up, a lot of rappers think that I can't tear it up. Well, I'ma show them and ignore them. Yeah, and when they think yeah, I ain't looking, yeah, I floor them. Yeah. I mean, take them out. I keep grooving. A slick bass line, keep the beat moving. They can't take it, they just fake it. They wonder how the raw bass make it. I get ill, you know the deal. Cause this is how the raw bass feels. Joy! Pump, pump, pump it up. Come on, come on, here we go. Sunshine! What else? What else? And rain. Now God's children Joy Come on, come on, here we go And pain Pump, 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 pump it up Sunshine Yeah And rain Pump it up, pump it up Yeah Oh yeah That shit was tight, yo Watch out. The Santa bats will come and get you. Look out, Michelle. Whoa. We're back. Do you think the Cenobites taste like cinnamon? Hmm. Yes, I do. Okay, just curious. I think if a Cenobite is trying to torture you and you take a big old bite, or perhaps a lick, you're going to get a taste of cinnamon. I'm going to get a Cenobite. Um... Let's I'm Michelle. C- Welcome back. <laughs> Let's make Cinnabite Cinnabuns. 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 I can't figure it out. So what? Say what? <laughs> I'm gonna, um, uh, I think that's probably uh, an interesting idea, but the fat one is probably the best that we're going to do. Butterball. Big butterball. Okay, so we are talking about the movie... Mel Razor! <laughs> Fuck you, Mel. We're not talking about you. Uh, that's all you get. So, Hellraiser. This is Sam's choice. Yeah! We're going to get back into the movie. Yeah, where'd we leave off? As of this point, we have we have the third man inside to be killed by Frank. Kirsty has Kirstie seen him go inside the house has with seen him enter. She's interested. She goes in that motherfucking house. She's going to get to the bottom of what the fuck Julia's up to. Because she doesn't like Julia anyway. No, and Julia doesn't because like Because we her. didn't talk about this. She uh, Does she hook up with that guy earlier in the movie? Do you think she actually has sex with him? 
Because he wakes up next to the bed. He doesn't wake up in the bed with her. No, it looks like they're in two single beds. It looked like he was sleeping on the floor to me, but... Yeah, I don't know if they actually hooked up or not. Maybe, but I don't know. Who knows? If they did, good for them. <laughs> yeah, she's an adult. But fuck, why was she attracted to a guy who could stick a cigarette inside of his mouth? Oh, Holy. Oh, God. The, <laughs> the things that I don't understand from 80s movies. Like, watch me flip this cigarette around inside of my mouth. And look, I can close my mouth with the whole cigarette inside. Oh, it's fucking Delicious. Nasty. It was so gross. That's so gross. amazing. Yeah. She, she saw it happen. She's like, I want him to lick my pussy. She's like, I want to I French kiss him. Oh. I hope he makes me a princess. God. But anyway, Julia goes, not Julia. Kirsty goes into the goddamn She's house. She goes into the goddamn house. She Which wants to know what the fucking fuck mistake. is going. It was a on. mistake, Kirsty. Why? But she goes up the stairs. She wants to uh, know what's happening. She thinks that she's going to yeah. catch her um, stepmother in the act. Yeah, but instead, that guy fucking comes out of the room that's been half life sucked. And I think that guy looks awesome. Just Life like earlier, sucked. just like earlier when that guy gets hit with the hammer, the very first guy, and his jaws like all fucked up and hanging down, like hanging down. I think that looks great, and I think this guy that's been half life sucked <laughs> comes out and is like face is all droopy and blue, yeah. and he's it looks like toxic waste had been dumped on him, but he had just been life sucked. He's like a garbage patch uh, man. I thought he looked great. And Kirsty, and he's like, "Help me!" And Kirsty goes out to touch his hand. I would never touch that guy's hand. It was so wet and sweaty, Ugh. and he grabbed her. There's it was gross. There's so much moisture and goop in this movie. And fingers. I don't. I, uh, I don't like wet fingers, and I don't like fingers being forced in mouths. It's <laughs> no, disgusting. I've never understood fingers and mouths and like sex Ugh. and stuff. Like suck on my God. finger. Like, no, I know what I'd do with my own finger. I don't want to. Duh. And and the very first time we saw that was during the affair, and um, Julia was really turned on when Frank shoved his finger oh, yeah. in her mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to be enjoyed by anyone throughout the rest of the movie. So she sees uh, Frank come out and grab the man. Oh, yeah. And this is the reveal. She sees Frank and in she full freaks Frank. Out. But it's not Frank yet. It doesn't look like Frank. No, he's all he's all meted out. But he's wearing the suit. I love the way he looks with the suit on. I do, too. He looks <laughs> nasty. But he's all bloody and just a skinless man. And uh, to try and make things better, he's like, <laughs> Kirsty, it's me, Uncle Frank. <laughs> like that would make it better. And she's like, ah! And then he uh, fucking kills that guy and sucks, his, oh, sucks yeah, yeah. him he, the rest of the way, right? I like how he just like... It, it, you don't see him actually suck the rest of him out. He just like pushes him down yeah. into the ground. He's just like, you sit down now. <laughs> Maybe he made him suck him. Because that's what it looked like. Um, but then he's just like, oh, Kirsty, you've grown up. Uh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. And she's like, no, this isn't happening. Yeah, and, and that's the first introduction of the uh, incestual part of this whole... There's definitely some incestuous uh, activity that Frank wants to have happen. He likes it in the family in general because, I mean, technically, his Julia's in the sister, family at this point. You yeah, know? his sister-in-law. Um, and he definitely tries to, uh, without skin, feel up his niece. And there's this whole, like... 
interaction. Uncomfortable. Can you imagine a, a bloody corpse guy coming at you and like, I'm your uncle who passed away. <laughs> yeah, just imagine your uncle already trying to touch you at that age. And now add, he's a fucking corpse wearing a suit. Yeah, and his line that he uses to her is, come to daddy, which is disgusting. It's so cheesy, but it's gross, because she's just like, what the fuck? Like, you're my uncle. Uh, Apparently, you say you're my uncle. You, I guess, sound like my uncle, because you've been dubbed by the other guy who sounds like my uncle. You've been dubbed by the guy who plays my uncle. But the guy who, so the guy in the beginning, the Frank that we get with Skin, is a different actor than the uh, than skinless Frank than the skinless who we have throughout most of the movie. Yeah, uh, they had to get a skinnier guy. I don't think I've ever heard this, but if you look at the pictures of the two people, Excuse you all right? Me. Yeah, if I had a deep tickle in my throat. Uh, a deep tickle. Yeah. Uh, if you look at pictures of the guys, the dude who played the Frank without with skin is much beefier than the guy yeah. who plays him without skin. So I think they just needed a skinnier framed guy. So when they put this extra, you know, meat and stuff on. He doesn't look huge. He Put looks like a normal sized person with the bodysuit of meat on. Yeah. So there is a a little bit of I don't. Do we actually see how she gets away? Yeah, because uh, <clears throat> remember she finds the box. She's just gonna throw it at him like a, a oh, weapon. She does. And then Frank's like, "No, put that down!" Because he's all freaked out about the box, which we didn't talk about earlier when. He explains the whole Cenobite thing to Julia because she's like, don't touch the box. It's very dangerous. Oh, that's right. And, you know, he explains that, you know, I was looking for pain and pleasure, the ultimates, and I just opened the box. He just explains, yeah, to her what happened. Cenobites come, blah, blah, blah. So she knows, so Julia knows what the Cenobites are. And I should say this. Kirsty? No, Julia does. Kirsty does not know yet. But Julia knows because Frank told her. And this whole time, Frank is like freaked out about doing it. You know, we got to do this fast because they're going to find me. Yeah, I need the these. The Cenobites are going to come back. I need more blood. I need to be reconstructive yeah. before they come back. So when she holds up the box, right, she's like, oh, you want this? Yeah. It's a very, this part's very cheesy. Because she picks it up and he, <laughs> she wouldn't have even known that it was anything because she was just going to like chuck it at him, which would have been ideal. Because then if he, he would have caught like, it. Caught it. If he would have caught it. Um, it would have hit. Maybe a blue electric streak would have gone off and then the Cenobites are like. Frank. I still don't think it would have been nearly as bad as what actually happened, which it went through a fucking window and outside, <laughs> yeah. like two stories down, which was way worse than just throwing it across the room. <laughs> you're right. So you're he right. was just like, don't do it. And she was like, oh, you want this? <laughs> yeah, with and, a lot of attitude. And then she just ran out with you it. You want this? Here. She's like, then have it. I don't know if that's actually said. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, but, but she I throws like it she out the window it. and then she takes off to go grab it. Oh, yeah, because he does the classic horror movie trope where instead of like just attacking her really quick and going for her, mm-hmm. he's like, no, and, and like looks like, at the window there. like, ah, what am I going to do? And then all this like kind of slow motion, but not slow motion. This is when it looks really low budget because oh, she's yeah. getting away. Yeah, 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 she's yeah, yeah. like walking by these fences and she's all distraught and like dirty and has like, cause she, and her hair's all messed up, and she just looks like she saw a ghost almost. She's just kind of like blank expression. People are looking at her like, "What's up Those with this two girl?" Two nuns walk by her. Yeah, and she's just like, like I've, <laughs> "I've been through shit." She's disillusioned. She's walking down, and it it cuts in and out of Frank's slow motion, being like, "No," 
Ooh, and then just her like walking down the sidewalk oh, yeah. next to a fence. Just Come like, to oh, Daddy. Shit. <laughs> and um, it's so low budget. It looks like I could have shot it. It does look bad there for some reason. All of a sudden, it's almost like the movement was too much in the camera. Like they didn't have steady cam, mm-hmm. so it's it almost makes it look soap opera. It was you know weird. That, that weird soap yeah. opera look, where you can tell it's like in a room. Mm-hmm. It's not like a set. I don't know. Even though this wasn't on a set, it just looks wonky. And it I'd never does. noticed it until we watched it together. Maybe like, it, yeah, this looks kind of weird. I, that, it wouldn't have been the best that you've seen it, like because our TV is high def because you've watched it on your phone. I've yeah, yeah. So that wouldn't have made the difference. Yeah, you're right. Think. Maybe the the screen size made a difference. That's a very good point. Yeah, I have no idea. Which I still don't understand why she's so like she didn't fall. She didn't get hit. No, she just like passes she's just, out. Right? She's just like, I'm um, so uh, I guess so emotionally distraught that she passes out. Yeah, she passes out in the street, and then um, or was some she just walking for that long? Ice cube <laughs> rip off, and some other people like <laughs> lean in. The dub over voice is like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous, and it's not Ice Cube because he's wearing a New York hat, but. It's good times, no matter. It, it, what was, it was uh, interesting, and then she wakes it's, up in the hospital. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it was very hard to write a scene to get from the house to the hospital. Yeah, maybe she's just kind of like in some sort of shock because she just looks. She so. has like a blank look shock, on her face. There you go, shock. Uh, yeah, that. shock, shock. The, the monkey, shock the monkey. That's why the kid in Jaws froze in the water. Shock. <gasps> so there we go. That's what we'll attribute it to. That's that's why the cinematography was bad as well. <laughs> so she is in the hospital, and her doctor's weird. I'm going to go ahead and say, her doctor who comes in, he's a weird guy. I think, here's my theory. I think, because there's, in the lore of Hellraiser, there are guys who guard the box and get the box to where it needs to go. Yes. Because it kind of has its own destiny, sort of. And they just kind of know where it needs to be at times. You have your own destiny. Yeah, like he says at the beginning when he sells Frank the box and he's like, take it. It's yours. Mm-hmm. It's always been. Uh, so we got that the Asian dude at the beginning that sells in the box. And then throughout the movie, we got the homeless guy that we haven't talked about yet. Yes. That like eats crickets, a handful of crickets. He's just and he's like stares weird... at Kirsty all the time. Yeah, he just stares long at her. periods of time. She just seems uncomfortable by... A homeless guy is uh, what you get so far. And then we got the doctor. And I think all those three are the same being or the same creature. And they're all getting the box to where it needs to go. Which makes sense Now later. Now you can argue, well, why does it need to get to Kirsty? You know, this is all Frank's deal. You know, that box only has anything to do with Kirsty because she touched it. I think because she touched it, the box sensed the desire... That Kirsty will eventually have because she is a cotton. She's got the same blood as Frank Cotton. Yeah. So she's got the same sort of a potential desire for otherworldly, you know, like eventually going to be sick of the world. Do you think that they're related to Cotton from the Scream movies? Absolutely, even though it was his first name, but yes. Just curious. <laughs> okay. Um, so at this point, the doctor is a weirdo and he, and he said, when you were found, you were tightly clenching this box. Um, the police are coming to investigate. I'm going to sit this box here. 
like a fucking weirdo with a weirdo face <laughs> yeah. and uh, give you time to mess with this box to figure it out. Yeah, he's definitely working for the box. <clears throat> he's definitely setting her up, uh, g- providing her interest in looking into the box. Yeah, yeah. Which she starts to do. And what does she do, Sam? Easily opens it. She opens. See, I didn't think she, she kind of showed her for a little bit yeah. working with it. Yeah. It seemed a little it seems, difficult for her. It seems, too, though, in the Hellraiser lore that the m- bigger potential desire for this world that you have of the other world stuff, mm-hmm. the easier it seems to be to open the box for some. Okay. Like, it's almost like the box almost has a built-in... Like, sensor of like, like good you and aren't, bad. You aren't even meant to open this fucking thing. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that that hasn't happened, that technically good people haven't opened it because I know they have. But it seemed like it was Pinhead almost himself. shocking her at times, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like shooting out those little spermies at times. Yeah, definitely sperm but lights. that's to give her interest. Ooh, what's that little light? Huh. Even though if that happened in real life and you saw little squiggly lines all of a sudden on top of like a box. float out. You'd be like, yeah, what's going on? I would drop it <laughs> and kick it away from me <laughs> and I would leave. So she gets the box open and then she meets this monster thing that if you don't know the lore... You wouldn't know it's called the engineer. He's the fifth Cenobite to come. I don't know if he's even technically a Cenobite, but he's the fifth pulse. He definitely seems different than when the other Cenobites all show up together. The other Cenobites are, seem like humans that yes. were just modified. Correct. Because that's technically what they are. You find out in future installments. But the engineer is just like a fucking like a, just like a, a creature, like a monster yeah. thing. Which is hilarious when you meet him because you can see he looks like he's on a... Like a crib, uh, a stroller. It looks like they built him on a baby stroller. Yeah. And you can see the wheels. Did you say you met him? No, I'm saying I think they built it this way. Oh, no. I met the engineer. Oh, okay. No, I never met the engineer. You can't meet a puppet. I guess you can meet a puppet. You could have. Like they the could have taken that puppet to a convention. That'd be fucking sweet. And like the person who was like the main one running it or the person who built it was like there showing it off. Bob Keen? My God. Am I a nerd if I know the uh, makeup effects guy? Are you really asking me to answer this? Yes. Yes. Bob Keen. You are a nerd. So the, um, they come. Yeah, the Cenobites come, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, hey, you open the box. And she's <laughs> like, she somehow all of a sudden just figures this shit out. This is what I don't understand. She just has this intuition to this just makes sense to her that she's able to figure it out enough to say that she has Frank, who she knows who escaped from them, which is a weird thing because like that's never been implied in any way. And um, instead of them torturing her, that she should just give them Frank so they can complete whatever with him. Yeah, Frank escaped you. I'll give you... The guy that actually left instead of me. Are we going to get to... I'm going to play a little clip because I love this. You opened it. We came. It's just a puzzle box! Oh no. It is a means to summon us. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I got a bunch of clips, but I don't need to play all of them. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, yeah. But the best part on this whole thing that you and I laugh about in reference now Mm -hmm. is because when she's making the deal... And he's like, uh, I want him, uh, oh, he says something like, I want him to present himself, uh, and like confess. Oh yeah. He must confess himself to us. Then maybe, 
Maybe. <laughs> it seems like an otherworldly creature. It shouldn't say maybe twice. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. He will uh, grant her her wish, essentially, and um, not torture her and just take Frank. Maybe. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We're here with Cenobites, right? This is like when we first hear them talk. Yes. And really get good looks at them. Even though we got good looks at them in the first scenes. But this the, is one that's like the real... Because they're good looking. This is... Yeah. Fuck yeah, they are. <laughs> I want to know your opinions on all four of them. Um, so, girl Cenobite. I didn't realize at first that it was a girl. I re- I thought it was just more of an effeminate man, like a powder. Which is what Pinhead is supposed to be more like in the book. But Pinhead himself is definitely like tougher, older looking. Um, but the female just seems um, like not in charge. Butterball, the fat guy with the sunglasses. He's fucking atrociously sexy. <laughs> he is. He is like because um, you did watch some Walking Dead. Did you see the bloated zombie that they found in the in, well? In the well, I've seen pictures, and I know what you're talking about, but I didn't see it. But I know what you're talking about. So that's kind of the feeling I get from Butterball. Huh. And um, I th- it makes me think of the wrestler. From the Jackass movie, who busted Johnny Butterbean? Butterbean, yes, <laughs> who busted Johnny Knoxville's head open, knocked his fucking ass out in that mm-hmm. uh, jewelry store. That was great. <laughs> um, and then the Chatterer. chatter, the teeth. Um, even though that's the Cenobite that's like the most active, it seems like the one who would be able to do the least damage to me. He's the guy who likes to shove fingers and mouths. He did do that. The most. Because he shoved two fingers into Kirsty's mouth, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Two when fingers. Sh- when they show up, he's just like the one first black, one. One black, one white. Yeah, he's wearing leather. Leather. He's got uh, like a leather. They all wear like this weird leather glove that goes on just like the thumb, the first finger, and the pinky. So then like the middle two fingers are Yeah, it was a weird regular. two that he shoved into her mouth, but just shoved him in there and held them, and she looked very scared. Chatterer is one of Hell's favorite servants, Michelle. Okay. He's the he's the fucking... He's the guy that gets shit done. And then throughout movies after this, they kind of like morph the way he looks and eventually give him eyeballs. Because in this one, he doesn't have any eyes. He yes, can't see anything. That's true. If there's one thing, since you made me um, give my opinion of each Cenobite, Except- if there's one thing... Who, Pinhead? Yeah. I already did say about him. I said that he just seemed older and um, just more put together. He, I mean, he was the one who was in charge. He was the... He's like wise to me. The head Cenobite. He, seems, he was the he priest. Seems, he seems patient. Yeah, that was something I was going to say about all of them. I think that all of the Cenobites combined together, each and all as one, are very patient and letting... Kirsty take her time getting to where she needs to go before they reappear. They really give her time to prove whether or not she can um, come through, follow through with what she has offered. That's true. That's true. Which I think is interesting because it's it's usually almost always on the bad guy's time, and in this movie, it seems like it's really they, not. They've got eternity. They're patient, and I think that that's interesting. I don't know. It just kind of stood yeah, out to yeah. me. Um, um, but the out- one Cenobite who is the lady yeah. does have a vagina for a neck. So I think that that's interesting. <laughs> I should have known that that was a woman because of the vagina neck, but that's, I didn't. That's awesome. Cause it's like a, 
it's, it's like, like pulled strings open. pulled open and like set in place by rods. It's, it's pretty brutal fucking shit, man. And it looks like a vagine. It does look like a vagine. You can fuck that throat. I bet that happens. That might be one of the pleasures that they can't show. Yeah. So <laughs> um, fuck that throat. So at this point. We, the deal is made. The deal, they agree to it. Well, I mean, potentially. maybe, potentially. Maybe. Nothing is actually set set in stone. There, no, no one shakes. It's no. just up in the air. And they even say, perhaps we prefer you. And then, <laughs> yeah, so they're just like, we'll give you time to prove yourself, essentially. Um, so she's got to go figure it out. So she's got to go figure it out. And she still has the box. Yes. So she goes back to the house. Yeah. And as of, as of now... Um, Leary comes home. Uh, Frank still needs one more person. He needs skin, he says. He needs now skin. Now I need skin. So and the only thing left. And this is, is the his moment... his brother, who is relative in size. It makes sense. And I love this scene, actually, when Larry comes home. Mm-hmm. And you can see in Julia's eyes that she still doesn't want this to really happen. It's just like, she just has to do what Frank says. Because mm-hmm. she's like, and she's she's like what's far? wrong? He says something like, what's wrong? And she's got like this look of like, shit is really going to go wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. this is bad. And she's like, I got to show you something. And then he's trying to be funny. He's like, you want a cocky little girl? Oh, no, that was way earlier. Okay, well, whatever. I thought it was because she was feeling bad. And she's like, I don't feel well. And he was like, oh. Yeah, that was way earlier. No, this is this. She's just got a look on her face because she knows Larry's about to die. I thought she had the door locked. So that's how. Because then she was like. Yeah, because he was like, can I get you anything? And she's like, yeah, a brandy. So then he yeah, goes yeah. downstairs and gets the brandy. Yeah, that was after the first kill. Was it? Yeah, because he comes home early. She's, she's still got the blood body. on her face. Yeah. And she carries that little corpse across. Okay, so at this point, um, poor Larry, R.I.P. Larry's dead. Larry's dead. And they dead. don't really, they don't show it yet. No, they don't show it. But I mean, they show scene and, and Frank has put his skin on. He's yeah, wearing he comes his brother's downstairs. Flesh. He kind of like, stretches and he's like fitting skin. it to his fingers and stuff. And um, and I want to say this: they must have had the exact same size penis, or Frank's is a little bit smaller, or just a little bit bigger, because he's going to have to fit. Yeah, but it's not time to know yet because he would be flaccid, unless killing makes him erect. I'm sure it does, but still, no matter what, you got to fit it in there. I think it fit. I think it's fine. Maybe they were the exact same. They're brothers. That's, I don't think that that's usually how it goes. Because Bob would, and I are the exact same. I was going to say that means that you and every Bob weekend, would have the exact same anatomy. Every weekend, we slap it on the table the, and we remeasure. I thought that you had longer balls than he has. I don't know what his fucking stuff looks like. I haven't seen it since I was young. Uh, that's actually not true. Because when we lived uh, in town, <laughs> he came over drunk naked once in the middle of the night and st- and stood in our door and took a picture of his fucking dick and balls and i was the one because the for whatever reason your phone was in the bed by my feet and it went off and it vibrated and i was half awake and i fucking opened your phone right there was a picture of your brother's dick and you just completely fell back in the chair if you guys could have seen what happened Sam is so elated that I've seen his brother's penis before. And he is on the floor. He's not even trying to get up. He's down for the count. You can hear him. You can hear him laugh maniacally in the background. No big deal. But Bob, I don't know if you know this. Since I know you listen, I've seen your penis. And um, 
from the angle, I couldn't tell how similar it looked because Bob obviously does not have red pubes. You have orange pubes. You know, they're not even red. They're orange. <laughs> they're bright orange. Bright orange. Back. Against a very pale porcelain skin background. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. That was awesome. Okay. I'm glad that everyone is good. Oh, man. So Larry's dead. Frank's wearing his skin. And Kirsty comes home and she's like, Daddy. And somehow, even though there's clearly an entire line of blood and weird, like, flabby skin hanging off around the entire hairline and head, like, everywhere. They're on the whole fucking face. And, uh... She can't tell. She's looking at her dad. She's really close to him. She cannot tell that there's clearly like blood dripping down his like. It's, it's like around the hairline. Fucking face and neck. And it's on <laughs> yeah. his shirt. Yeah. And she can't tell at all. She's just freaked out. Well, we're supposed to attribute to that Frank and him got in a fight. And that's just the blood from the aftermath of him killing Frank, which is so weird because he's just like, I had to put him down like a dog, honey. And she's just like, okay with it. And she acts like nothing happened. Like, she should still be like, oh, my God, you killed your brother? The police are going to come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is definitely interesting. But um, they're all together now. Birds of a feather now. And we have Kirsty freaking out. All of a sudden, she is able to tell that that is not her father. How is she able to tell? Uh, eventually he does the old classic come to come daddy because <laughs> he's like everything's fine you should stay here with us because he wants to fuck his fucking niece anyway yeah. you should just stay with us and everything will be fine and Julia's like no this is not cool and yeah. he's like I'm gonna take care of you Julia yeah because Julia's definitely under the assumption that Frank wants Frank to be with her Frank and her are gonna like go off and have this fairy tale lifestyle and probably even thinks that they're going to like you know go rob places and maybe is even okay with like you know doing dirty stuff not like sexually with other people but as soon as there's a hint because Frank knows he's just gonna fuck whatever he wants to fuck but as soon as there's a hint you see Julia's face kind of change even before but it's interesting because the way that they weren't planning on him taking over Larry's skin. At least it didn't seem like that. Maybe Frank planned that from the get-go. I have no idea. Frank didn't seem like he ever gave a shit about his brother. I definitely don't think Julia knew it was in the plan, but Frank May probably have. eventually did. Because he's always this, he says things like, uh, he died a long time ago. That's true. It just it would have been a way to get away with it if he really did care about Julia because she was married to this guy and he just took his skin. So like he wouldn't have had, they wouldn't have had to like pretend anything. It just looks like she's out having fun with her husband. Yeah, that's very true. But he decided that uh, he wasn't going to let Julia hang out anymore. Oh, took- yeah. Do you think he would? So he accidentally stabs her, but it seemed like he was, he was ready. He was, seemed like he was very ready and happy to have that accident. It seemed like it was planned. Like, he had no intention of her doing anything with him. He just used her to bring him back. what he needed to bring him back. Uh-huh. And then took her blood as the last bit to just fully fill him. He, and, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And he had new skin, and he was going to fuck his niece, <sighs> and they could be together forever. But that's not what happened. He's probably going to kill Kirsty eventually, too. Like, I don't think he's... 
and now that he's been through hell... Well, he probably would have killed her, but he would have fucked her. Oh, he was going to fuck her. Uh-huh. Kill her, then fuck her. Uh, but I think we have a new Frank as well, even from before the box. Like, I think going through hell and then going through what he's done to get to where he is. We yeah. have a new... More of a monster than he's ever been. And so if he would have gotten away with everything, he would have been out in the world just, like, slaughtering... He almost, like, became a demon, even though he wasn't technically a demon. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, is this when... Well, he's about to do the deed, you know, because they go into that room again, and uh, she realizes that the body on the floor that she earlier thought was Frank... Is her father. Is actually Larry, her father. Oh, and earlier when uh, she sees it and she thinks it's her father Larry still, and the Cenobites show up because they... You know, something's going on. Yeah. And I love when Pinhead points at the mutilated corpse and he's like, we want the man who did this. Because, <laughs> like, he just he just sees what someone was capable of, like yeah. a human was capable of. And it's just like, I think it's, he wants it for two reasons. One, just, you know, he just wants that soul. And two, they create Cenobites from people. Yeah. Imagine the Cenobite. And the torture king that whoever did that as a human could become if we give you the powers that we have. Yeah, I want to know the, the Cenobite stories. I don't really, but I kind of do. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch it, but I would, like, read it. I'd be interested I could just in just tell reading you. it. <laughs> uh, don't ruin it for other people. You I can won't. tell me off of this. Oh, my um, chest is starting to hurt. If I die, it's from the chair incident. From the excitement of uh-huh. the Hellraiser episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do have to say that I, I thought that Kirsty's hell was uh, really much more interesting than what we what pieces we've seen of Frank's. <clears throat> oh, how she actually gets into the like the catacombs and when she meets the engineer and stuff. She just seems to be like, and this is something I did write this down. This was my last note that I had made. Um, aside from that, there are a lot of holes <clears throat> in this movie. One thing that I do like about horror movies, and I think that this movie does is that there are always, whether they're good people or not, there are always strong female lead characters in horror movies. And I think that that's interesting. Like, in this movie, uh, Kirsty, she's young, but she's strong. And yeah. she fucking, she's the one who makes it, and is the uh-huh. one who prevails, and the one who fucking brings everything to light, essentially. I was thinking that uh, on the second viewing, too, at the end of the movie, when she's made it out of the house, mm-hmm. or she's about to make it out of the, ho- uh, out of the house, and she like takes the box, she's going to do the stuff with the box. And yeah. Then, I don't want to skip this far ahead, it doesn't, but it might not matter, but she like takes the box out of his hands, like, you don't know what you're fucking doing. <laughs> like, and it was a huge power, like a women's power move, like a, a woman power move, just yeah. that one, but like, when he tried to no, take it from step her. Up, yeah, because he because she starts to like figure it out and then he goes to grab it. She's just like, No, yeah. motherfucker, who are you? And yeah. she's totally right. She is. Um, but I but that was way later. That's when shit's going down. And I don't remember what is the actual thing that makes what what happens. Okay, so we got Frank with her. you know, he's about to do the deed to uh Kirsty. And then he's like, don't worry. It's just, or don't worry, you know, it's Frank, your Uncle Frank. Like, he's boasting, that, like, Frank wouldn't do that. Yeah. And since he revealed himself, then he the ding happens. That's right, and the lights and come the, up. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, what the hell is that? Because he had to say, 
I need him to yeah, yeah. say who he is or confess himself. Confess himself, and he said, "I am." Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that's when they come. That's what it and is. And then they, and he's know, like, "What? No, you bitch! You set me up!" And then they chain fucking all the chains Frank and hooks. up. But he looks like Larry. So, and I love that because we're actually. Looking at the guy who's been a doofus the whole time, mm-hmm. been a goofy ass motherfucker the whole time, and, and then this last evil. end of it, he does a. That's why I think he's a good actor because he was such a doofus earlier, and then at the end, he's, he's fucking evil. Yeah, I agree. Even more evil than Frank without the skin, and even more evil than Frank with the skin. Like as Larry Frank, <laughs> he's like the most evil. And oh then yeah, you just tear him apart, and when they do he- that. Classic line. The worst thing that he did that we saw as him being the original Frank the person was fuck his sister-in-law, and we saw his dick and balls. At least that's the worst we saw, yeah. And then it got worse. But I think we're to assume that he he led a life of decadence, you know, as far as we as humans know it, as like, he just drank a lot, did a lot of drugs, and fucked a lot. Just he wasn't. I don't think he was like murdering people or like no. cutting people, and that's that's the new Frank. That's it the was, Frank we have. Now. I think his life was all about pleasure. Yeah, he and he thought pain. that he when he was going to get the box that it was going to be even more pleasure, and yeah. he got pain. Yeah, because in the book he's actually like, "Where are the women?" Like he's like thinks that a bunch of women are going to show up and mm-hmm. fucking centipedes show up like these mangled, leather clad, mortifying creatures. <laughs> And uh, so they kill Frank. They kill Frank and they take him to hell. And then they're like, "Now it's your turn, you yeah. little bitch." <laughs> yeah, I love that. That the uh, the whole maybe it was like a they knew the whole time. No, we want both of you. Yeah, it's, you open the box. We're just using you. <laughs> yeah. We came. You she opened the box and they know that she wants. She has the desire. Mm-hmm. But I think this whole ending sucks. After this, so what happened? Why didn't they take her to hell, Sam? Well, I mean, she, you know, it's a shitty ending. She, she just starts closing the box out of them and, like, says things like, go to hell. And, you know, they just cheesily they just go get outlined says. in yellow and the zoop sound happens and so, they go away. What I read is that there was a budgeting issue. And by the end of the movie, they had run out of money. So the reason why, I guess, a lot of fans weren't super thrilled about the ending effects and how they how cheesy and simple they looked, a lot of drawn light lines. It just I think it's a pat I don't think it's satisfying as a story. Like just does something with the box and they go away. It's just I, it just seemed too easy. Let alone the, the the effects that weren't very good. Yeah. I just read that it was literally the the guy who like the director and some other guy who just edited them themselves because they ran out of money huh. at the end. I wonder if that's true. I'd like to know. Mm. There's always a lot of movie lore and it's who knows what's true. Um, Especially in horror. Yeah. Horror lore. So like, you know, she just makes Pinhead leave just from moving the box one way, which I think was too easy. Mm-hmm. But he gives that fucking great line when he pops up and he's like, ah, we have such sights to show you. And then she's like, she's doing the box and then he has one of the worst lines the whole time. No, don't do that. And you're just like, come on now. And I'm thinking the whole time, you've got chain powers, dude. This whole time, there's been minutes gone by where you could have just been like, chain, 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 
She's done. Chain of fools. But I don't know if it's because she's got the box in her hands that he's like weary, like he can't really do anything. That might be it. But like you said last night when we talked about this a little bit, Frank had the box in his hands and it wasn't a fucking problem. Mm hmm. It's true. But who knows? And then, you know, does the same thing to the female Cenobite, does the same thing to Chatterer. And then for some reason, Butterball is just crushed by a house beam. (laughs) I don't know why that works. (laughs) Suddenly we can just crush Cenobites when they're supposed to be these otherworldly creatures. Don't fucking get that at all. Demons. And you said it last night that he's trying to be extra cool at that point and he pulls off the sunglasses and reveals he's got sewn together eyelids. Yeah, it was weird. He's like, (laughs) I'm a cool kid. (laughs) And then just like in most horror movies, people who think they're cool get fucking crushed. Yeah, especially in horror movies where they take two full minutes to stab someone and walk as slow as possible and just loom a knife over someone. Uh, When you could just go, yeah. Especially when you have otherworldly powers and can shove chains through people. So at this point, the house is set on fire. They go back right? to hell. Is that what happens? It, it's shot very poorly, or it looks shitty. But like inside, there's a bunch of orange lights going. There on. are lights in the, and then you see but pictures you... of Frank burning over the house. Yeah, but you never see the outside of the house on fire. No, because I don't think that they could film it. I don't yeah, think they have so, the money for it. So weird. So then all of a sudden, they're just like what looks like near some pier out by... With random fires going on. Out by where like homeless people would hang out under a bridge, essentially. Yeah, and like they were just harbor. Random, yeah, and then just random... Um, fires everywhere. Like there's just one chair, like one wooden chair, <laughs> like one dining room kitchen chair <laughs> yeah. burning, and then just nice little piles, just little so fires weird. everywhere. Are we to assume that that's the wreckage of the house? We are to assume that that's the house, and it can't be. It makes no sense. It has to be. And then she. And there's th- no fire department. <laughs> Sorry. And then she throws the box into the fire. And then, once again, we are revisited by a character from before. Yeah, the homeless guy that eats crickets. Comes and uh, pulls the box right on out of the fire. Walks into the fire. And uh, shows his true form, which is this, like, demon dragon thing. It's It's like a skeleton dragon. Like, it's just bones. Which looks similar to what Frank looked like when he was rebuilding and that scene when it was like coming out of the floor and the arms and stuff. Huh. Yeah, a little bit. I can see that. It looked kind of like bird-like almost. So that's what I. That's who I think. I think all those three characters are that demon bird thing at the end. I think and the Asian guy, the obviously it's the homeless guy, just changing form, it, and then the uh, doctor. Yes. Because now we are, because um, she's fine. She's with her boyfriend. They escaped all of this madness. They're happy. They're going to go fuck after they talk to the cops. Yeah, because the thing just grabs the box and flies away, right? It just flies away. And all of a sudden we cut back to this, what feels like this Tibetan area, something like that. Like uh, the de- same desert little, area. Same little area that we saw at the beginning with Frank. And same table. Someone, Same guy. Someone else is purchasing the box, and it's this ongoing... What is your pleasure, sir? What is your pleasure? <laughs> and then that some bitch is over. Yeah, and I want to say this. That ending sucks. I'm not happy with the whole box thing. I don't, it just felt... Just, with everything they did the whole movie, it just felt like it was like, boom, 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 it's done. And then 
I don't know why we had. Uh, it just didn't make sense. The whole end with the demon guy flying away. Just looked bad. By the way, I can hear um, outside sounds that are being recorded. So you guys are welcome that um, we have a window open right next to us so we can be comfortable and we don't care that you hear sirens and Not birds chirping or any of that. Just enjoy nope. the uh, background noise. I don't give a shit. So yeah, I just, uh, as much as I love this movie, the ending kind of rose me a little weird. Okay. Like it seems like it was just... Is it because you really wanted um, Frank and Kirsty to get together? Heartbroken. Yeah, that's why it was. I just feel like there could have been something else that got rid of the Cenobites. Even if it is the box turning, okay. I'll, Instead of her just fine. closing it. Even if that is it, it just seems like it was. It seems like it could have been done better for some reason. It just. For as much atmosphere there is the whole movie, you know, like long shots and weird angles and yeah. close-up of rats nailed to the wall and stuff like that. It just seems like right at the end. Mm-hmm. It was almost like it almost reeks more of the 80s right at the end. I think it's really 80s throughout. It, it has just a really um, vintage vibe, just old horror movie at times, it, it definitely feels like it's like a home movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it's shot on like a, a fucking home camera. I think it was a million dollar budget, which is, I think, fairly low. It would have been decent then, though. I don't know. They they make horror movies with much less Oh, money. they make, yeah, no. So. Yeah, way less now. So, that's the end of the movie. But Bam. they had effects, so I bet it went into yeah. a lot of the effects. So, is it question time? It is question time. What you got? Jimmy? What you got? I want your answers. All right, so... Um, why did you choose this particular thing? I know there are a couple reasons why, but why did you choose this? Uh, I've fallen in love with this movie in the past two years. Um, I'm, uh, I'm obsessive about things in general and I go through times where I obsess about things for like a month or two and then they kind of go away even though I still love them. And then about eight months later, I re-obsess again. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I do that with like Frank Zappa, and I can't think of any other things, but I do this with Hellraiser as well. And I'm in my Hellraiser zone, especially because the news came out that they uh, are working on writing a reboot, remake, or whatever you want to call it, of Hellraiser. Well, shoot. That will be a theatrical release, and I've never seen any Hellraiser in theater, especially because I've only really become a fan of this in the last two years. Uh, so I'm very excited that I'm going to see something happen. I mean, there's a very big possibility it will be pulled out from underneath the rug on me. Yeah. And I'll just do another video release, which I'm fine with because I liked the last Hellraiser. Better than them doing nothing at all. Yeah. And they have to do movies every once in a while. Uh, these Hellraiser series are known for releasing that they have to make a movie with the character or else they'll lose the rights. Like, they yeah. signed the contract. So what do you think that I thought when you're like, Hellraiser? God damn it. It's all he talks about. He mentions Pinhead 
at least five times a day, and now he's got me. But probably a relief that you might know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't say regarding my prior or my judgment prior to actually listening to it. Um, I, uh, I was interested because if it's something that's more up your alley, because two things are like that I think of when I think of you, I think of metal and I think of horror movies and I can typically handle horror movies better, even though there are (laughs) things in horror movies that I don't love. Like I, I hate like rape being a big thing that's I feel like I it's used a lot. Don't need it. I, agree. I think it's kind of simple. Um, but also equally more to fucking fying at the same time. If it's gonna be done, I wish it was rather just implied than shown. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Um but so I mean I, I wasn't as worried as you may have thought I was, but it was also just kind of a little bit of an interest in just seeing what it was all about. Um and we both watched it twice, so that's... I mean, because you said that within the last two years. So, like, when did you actually start listening to this? Watching? Or watching, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Because uh, you said two I, years is what I, you I just kind of two years was just my flat-out, you know, general one, but it might even be like a year and a half. I've always loved the scene at the end, you know, where Frank yeah. is getting ripped apart and, you know, the Jesus wept because, you know, my atheistic... Atheistic... Uh, leanings and at the time you know like loving death metal that was in a satanic way even though I don't believe any of that shit you know just that was cool to me Jesus swept floors (laughs) but this uh, I just I don't even remember how I got into it I just actually then I listened to the book and the book illuminated what the story really is and what the feelings really are and I was like oh I missed entirely what that movie is about. Yeah. And then when I watched it through that lens, I was like, oh, this movie fucking rules, and I love Pinhead. <laughs> well, there you go. Even though you get a very little Pinhead in this yeah, movie. which is good, though. It's like Jaws in the first Jaws. You get a little bit of him, and it's awesome. So did you immediately love it, or did it take time to kind of work on you before you liked it as much as you did after the book is i i just immediately loved it but i've i've tried to watch this movie throughout my life and it never hooked i've always liked like texas chainsaw massacre i just wanted a guy in a mask chasing teenagers and just slaughter them just good just get the killing as i'm getting older i want more story like this is more of an affair story with murder by demons you know it's just like (laughs) it's an affair story with an added horror element they could have taken the horror out of it, and it could still be an interesting story. It could have just been Julia, you know, Frank left, and Frank's back now, and they don't know Frank is back. Yeah. And uh, they got to go do stuff to be together, and then eventually have to kill the brother Larry so they can be together. It could have been without the Cenobites at all, and it still could have been interesting. Yeah. But you add Cenobites and hooks and blood and stuff, and guys like me are like, <laughs> fuck yeah. That guy's got nails in his head. All right. <laughs> and a vagina in her neck. Uh, definitely the vagina <laughs> in the neck. That was uh, memorable for sure. Um, yeah. I almost think, but I feel like you see, the one that you see the most is Butterball. He's very visually uh, fun to look at because he's gross. And I feel like they, they will just show him when they feel like showing a Cenobite sometimes. He's just because very popular. he's grotesque. He's very popular Cenobite. Those first four Cenobites, because 
throughout the movies they change. Mm-hmm. Not only do those characters evolve, but like those f- four die in the second one, and Pinhead comes back in the third one, and you don't see any of them for a while. So you get all new sorts of Cenobites. Mm. So it's these are the four classics. Like when you see people with tattoos, it's these four guys, and or sorry, three guys and one gal. Uh, I've never seen anyone with a Hellraiser tattoo, so I'm sure that'll change in my lifetime because I'm married to you. I was going to say, you're eventually <laughs> going to. <laughs> All right. So um, when we get, when we do albums, we do least and most favorite songs. So when we do movies, we do least and most favorite characters. Yeah. Do you know who your least favorite character my is? My least favorite character? Yes, I do. All right. And who is that? I'm going to have to say... It was a hard pick between, you know, obviously the two villains. Mm-hmm. For me, it was it was just the only people I could. And to me, it's Julia. She's, I don't know, she's just, she seems the most evil in the whole thing of it all. I, I completely agree, and I think it's because Frank was always a piece of shit. But you watched her change and become a piece of shit. And like it. And be into it. Yeah. And I mean, like I said earlier, even by the second kill, it was like she acted like a pro. So she's smiling. So she's yeah, it, it like brought life back to her. So I, I I agree that I think she was the least likable character. Um, even though Frank was through and through a piece of shit, she was really just open to uh, becoming a piece of shit. She's also got the most screen time. Yeah. So it's true. We get to see the most disgusting elements of her you know mm-hmm. she has disdain for everyone she has disdain for everything she's just like her care i think her character is just so disgusting that like it's unfair <laughs> to her looks in real life that in this movie she's just like you're just an awful fucking person in general so like through and through like everything about you is gross i just can't stand you and that was always a problem watching this movie growing up i couldn't i didn't like her mm-hmm. i didn't like looking at her I didn't like hearing her. And now it's like integral to it. Like I'm supposed to hate her that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I guess technically means that the actress did a good job because she uh, made you hate her character like and you're I've, supposed to. I've listened to Claire Hagen's interviews and she's a very nice lady and she gives a lot of information and she loves the Hellraiser. Like she doesn't like, she doesn't watch it. Like you read in that thing. I Yeah, I was going to say I read a fact if it's even a true factoid that uh, she couldn't, she's never even watched this entire movie because she doesn't like horror movies. Yeah. But she did do the another movie, like the second one, but yeah. that, I assume that was for a paycheck. But she did love the fans. The fans! <laughs> okay, so who was your most favorite character, Sam? Well, I think that's a pretty easy pick for me. He's on my shirt currently. He's the lead Cenobite. Others may know him as the Hell Priest. You also may know him as Elliot Spencer in the second film. Pinhead himself. Pinhead. Pinhead. (laughs) (laughs) I should have said Doug Bradley himself. Pinhead. I fucking love him. I love doing his voice. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast, I have several bits based off of Pinhead. I fucking love him. Uh, I'm trying to figure out my own Pinhead costume. (laughs) It's bad. (laughs) I've got an addiction to Pinhead. Sorry. The Hell Priest. Himself. How about you? I think that 
this one was a little harder for me to choose, um, but it wasn't super hard. I think Kirsty was my favorite. And I think that's, I, I don't understand, but she was just like really intuitive and smart and figured everything out. And she was, she was the one who saved the day. So I'm going to go, hell yeah, bitch. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm hopping on the go female train and uh, (laughs) choo choo. Yeah, I think I'll think I'll say Kirsty. She also she also seems like the most normal human being. Yeah, out of everyone in this movie, I agree. Like she she just looks that she gives sometimes that are like she's looking at people like you were serious. What what the fuck are you talking about? We got dinner and she gets all drunk. Although. When she gets drunk at the dinner and she's like, and <laughs> she looks all ridiculous. Yeah, right. she acts like a regular person. I get Radio. ridiculous. And oh, tell me about it. She's going to cry as much as this is Okay. So, um, would you recommend this, Sam? I, I, yeah, everyone should watch this fucking movie <laughs> like once a week. <laughs> I, I, I watch sections of this movie like once a week that's I'll, insane i'll get on youtube and i'll just watch the pinhead parts i'll watch the pinhead parts from all of the movies just on my free time Is i don't know why i fucking love it interesting i just love the way doug bradley talks i love the way he moves i love the makeup and thinking about how they did it and like how the pins had to stay and how they can't look wobbly and how they have to like look symmetrical and shaped in a certain angle or else they're gonna look weird Mm -hmm. and then you have to do makeup on it too and and there's chains everywhere and you got to worry about hooks hooking people and shit like that just seems like this i I got off track there but yeah watch this movie (laughs) (laughs) um and then would i choose to watch this again on my own no no but i'm glad that i know it I'm glad I'm familiar with it. It's a movie. Um, it just, I don't know. Was it what you expected? No. There was more, it was less horror than I expected, but I do think that it was, uh, like I said, that I think the practical effects were really good um, for the most part. Uh, but then all of the <clears throat> added like digital type effects that they tried to do were uh, not good. Um, so yeah, I don't think I would choose to watch this again. Did you Um, think it was bad? No, I don't think it was bad. Do you think you would have liked it if, when, if you were 17, 18 and you saw it in theater when it came out, do you think you would have liked it? Probably not. Gotcha. That's like that's the way I think of horror movies. Like. I may have jerked off to it though when I was a teenager. That's the thing. There was a sex scene and there was a little bit of nudity and there was some there was some hard thrusting. Oh yeah. So they, I mean, like a fuck scene. Let's be realistic. I would have watched that part. <laughs> All right. Frank and Julia going at it. Uh, gross. <laughs> they rewind it. And it doesn't even matter that they're fucking hideous creatures. It's just. It's the, just. Fit. They it was flesh, dude. It. it was fucking they were flesh. Fucking. That's all I cared about in my hormonal teenage state was flesh. They weren't. That's I'm all telling it was. you, they were going at it. <laughs> all right, so now we are to the end, guys. We're to the end of this, and it is my turn to give Sam the next thing for the next week. If you guys want to join, we're all in this together. 
Sam, this is something that you are familiar with, so this is not going to be um, as hard on hard on you as usual, even though I think you handle things a little better than I do, at least when it comes to metal. We are going to listen to another Greatest Hits album. It's something, it's what I know. Um, the Best of the Gap Band. Oh, wow. The best of the gap band. We're going gap band. This is going to be easy peasy is, for me. This is going to be a funky, soulful uh, dancing time. So I hope you guys <laughs> are ready to boogie the fuck down on the next episode. We are going to boogie down a lot on the next episode, it sounds like. We're going to uh, party train. We're going <laughs> to... Party train. We're gonna feel outstanding, and we're gonna oops upside your motherfucking head. Fuck yeah, sweet. <laughs> so that's the podcast. Thank uh, you for listening to me ramble about Hellraiser. Yes, thank you for listening. Tell your people and uh, tell us whether you like us or not. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, you ready? Take to go? us out, Sambo. The box. You opened it. We came. Just a bottle Oh no. It is a means to summon us. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some. Angels to others.